Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Springbok career of 1998 Tri-Nations champion Stefan Tablanche. Stefan, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great. All right, let's have a quick look at today's trivia question before we get started. In 2002, the Springboks lost to a certain European team for the first time in 33 years. Name the opponent. Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. And we'll also find out if Stefan knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Stefan, I want to begin in 1998. Talk to me about how you were feeling ahead of your test debut against Ireland. Yeah, I've been asked that question many times and every time I love answering it because, you know, as a schoolboy growing up in South Africa, a small little town of Swellendam, you know, all I ever wanted to do was play for the Springboks. And as I say to people, I played a hundred test matches before my first real test match in our backyard in Swellendam, always against your mates. And you had, you know, you played against Hannes and Fred and Ati and John, and there was always a big game of rugby. And there's always a Springboks against the All Blacks. And um, we never lost a test match in our backyard. And when you finally get that opportunity to represent your country, to, you know, so so many emotions, so many, you know, and, and all of them good. The only bad thing about it is that it, it goes, it passed so quickly before you know it, it's done. But, uh, yeah, great. You know, it's just an absolute dream come true. And to, to play for your country, represent your country, and, and then to score a few tries in the first game is also something that will, you know, that will always be there. I think you scored more than just a few, four actually, it equaled the Springbok try scoring record at the time. Were you thinking at that stage, hey, this test match rugby stuff, this is easy? No, I was I was young, but I was quite experienced and, you know, had some common sense and I knew that it's probably gonna get definitely gonna get harder. Your first your first season in super rugby or curry cup rugby or in test rugby is always sort of I think with regards to the opposition, it's maybe your easiest because then, you know, you score four tries and all of a sudden the opposition takes notice of you and realise, well, hang on, you know, you might have Henry Honeyball on the inside, Peter Miller and, uh, you know, and, and Andre Sneiman, but we have to keep a watch out for Tablanche on the wing as well. And, and that's what happened. So, no, I didn't think it was easy at all. I was just very fortunate in that game that, you know, the passes came away and, and I finished I finished well that day. I think, you know, as I said, the build-up over, I was 22 at that time the build-up was just absolutely perfect you know with no injuries the preparation for the games went well you know just when you physically feel and emotionally you're in a good space you almost know before you run onto the field that you you're going to have a good game and, and that day everything just aligned and, and it worked out for me the Springboks were actually in the midst of a 17 match unbeaten run at that stage how special was it to be part of that group to be honest I think at the time I didn't really that really didn't even you know, I had that in the back of my mind. I didn't even think about that, to be honest. For me, it was just, you know, trying to establish myself, being given this opportunity to play for the Springboks and make sure that, the, you know, that I fit in within the team dynamics and that I do my job as best for the team. You know, the 17 in a row sort of came later and it became a thing and it was, you know, talked about. But it really, at that stage, I'll be brutally honest, you know, my first couple of games, I didn't think about that. Now, they say that winning is a habit, and I think that it's fair to say uh, when you watch some of those matches back, yes, there was uh, some big wins like the one over Wales, for example, but there were also some of those victories where you'd say, well, maybe we didn't play that well, or maybe the other team might have won, maybe we scored a try right at the end to win it, that sort of thing. But winning really does become a habit. This is what we get told by coaches and players and that sort of thing. Could you tell us a little bit more about that just from a, an everyman point of view? 
And it's 100% true. It's so, so true. I mean, you look at the top teams in the world, and, you know, we, we're talking about rugby here, but you can look at any sport in the world, but let's let's stay for rugby because that's that's a sport we love, and it's a, I'm not being biased, but it's the best game in the world. Some other teams might disagree with me, team sports, no. But, you know, let's stay with rugby. And, and it's true. If you look at the great teams over the years who's really done well, and I'm going to start with a team like Munster uh, in Europe, in, in Ireland, you know, they had O'Gara, Stringer, O'Connell. They just, they just couldn't lose a game. They were, you know, sometimes they were down and out, but they would find a way of, of, of winning winning that game. Um, then we look at the All Blacks, the number best team in the world for 10 years. I mean, that puts them in the best sporting team of any sport in any, in any country across the world. And sometimes, of course, they would not play well, but... You know, whether it's an individual individual, or whether it's a structure that they have in place, you know, they just find ways to win games. And I think the Springbok team of 97 and 98 was like that as well. And, and the one prime example for me is we got absolutely hammered against the All Blacks. I scored the first try six minutes into the game, 1998, Kings Park, Pat Kings Park. You know, we, were, we beat the All Blacks a couple of weeks before in New Zealand for the first time in 18 years. So... A lot of expectation on that game at Kings Park, my home, my home stadium at that stage. And uh, for those of you who've been to Kings Park, will know a pack Kings Park is absolutely magnificent, you know. But anyway, so I scored the first try six minutes into the game, 5-0 up. And after that, we just got hammered by the All Blacks for, for 70 minutes. You know, with, with 12 minutes to go, we were 23-5 down. You know, US Van of and scored a try. Bob Skinstad came off the bench, scored a try. I put a little chip through. Jonah Lomo got hold of me and put me in the cheat seats with a late tackle. You know, we scored a try, James Dalton, and we won that game 23-24-23. I mean, some of the spectators were already leaving the field, you know, because we got we got absolutely pumped for 70 minutes and then they could hear the noise and some of them tried to get back into the stadium to see the end of the game. And that's what, you know, that's what that is all about. The winning becomes a habit. And sometimes you are not the best team on the day. Sometimes you have an off day. It happens, but you find ways to to win those games. And I think with the experience, obviously, plays a big part in it. If you look at that team, we've had a lot of experienced players, but also playing some of the best rugby of their careers at the same time. I was going to talk about that famous victory in my next question. I actually watched that match with two All Black supporters. So you can imagine how much fun uh, I had towards the end, even though up until the 70-minute mark, it wasn't really that much fun. Um, Stefan, a week later, we beat the Wallabies at Ellis Park to win the Tri-Nations. As it turns out, that was the first time that we did so. What did that feel like? Yeah, that was special to, to win the Tri-Nations or to win any game with the Springboks in a test match is special. But, uh, you know, to win the Tri-Nations for the first time, the first South African team, the first Springbok team to do so was, you know, was really, I think that was the first time I thought, that, wow, this is, this is like really, I mean, this is what Test Rugby is all about. You win every game, you beat the All Blacks, you beat the Aussies twice, you beat the Aussies in, in Australia. I mean, this is like, wow, this is magnificent, loving it. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was special to win. To win that trophy for the first time, and uh, you know, to set the to set the bar for South African teams. And after that, you know, there were a few teams, South African teams, who won it. Not not too many, but after that, there were there were a few. Of course, the All Blacks are still the most dominant force with regards to winning Tri Nations trophies. 
Let's talk a little bit about the end of year two in 1998 now. Um, we were still winning, but maybe the performances were not as clinical. It appeared, certainly from sitting at home watching on the couch on the TV, that something wasn't quite right. Now, I've had quite a few former Springboks on the show, and we've tried to talk about it, try to find out what was going on. Some guys say that it was end of year fatigue. Some of the guys say that there was some interference from Alan Solomons with regards to Bobby Skinstead, and that kind of threw some of the guys off their game. What can you tell me yeah look i think fatigue is obviously we we see that when we go to a northern hemisphere at the end of our rugby season traditionally at the end of our rugby season because our season has changed again now with the urc and the heineken cup we can talk about that later but traditionally in those days that was the end of our season if you look at when the the, the european teams come out to south africa in the june july period that was the end of their season and office and often their performances weren't great and we had exactly the same end of our season end of year fatigue a lot of rugby because when we started Super Rugby in February, then we have the test period, test match period, then we go back to play Curry Cup, and then we get selected, and then we go on tour for the Springboks. So you could end up playing 32, 35 games a year, and at the end of the season, you are fatigued and tired. Yes, the Alan Solomon's thing, there were a lot of rumours going on about that, but of course he was pushing hard for the selection of Bob Skinstead, but we had the guys like Andre uh, Fenter, outstanding Rassi Erasmus was, was playing six-flanker, uh, and then you've had Gary Teichman, who was a captain. So, uh, while at the same time, Bob Skinstead was playing excellent rugby for his, for his province. And when he came out for the Springboks, you know, he, he, he did deliver and he did perform as an impact player. So, of course, a lot of things, but I, I just think maybe at the end of the, at the end of the season, we didn't have a good game. We played Wales at Wembley. We made a, a, we won 28-20 at the end. I mean, that video session on a Monday was Mick Mallet wasn't very pleasant. I still remember that and still have nightmares about that because I particularly didn't have a great game. So, you know, I got singled out a few times for a missed tackle or a drop ball and, and rightly so. And then we pulled together against Scotland. We beat them 35-10 and then we went on to beat Ireland at the old Lansdowne Road, I think 27-19. A good performance, but, you know, you could see it wasn't you know, in, in that game. The Bob Skinstead was excellent. He scored one try himself and set up one for US, uh, I mean, from the halfway line, a seven running around like a like a back, uh, like a backline player, and then against obviously England, you know, those this was now to break the record. We had 17 in a row, uh, and you know, kicked it over my head. Dan Luger caught the crossfield kick. These days, we see it often in those days, it wasn't a, a big attacking weapon, but they got it right. And I think we lost 13 7, you know, to, to give the record away. So, very disappointing to, to do that, but. You know, the game, if we also accept that other teams do their homework and they can also play rugby, we won't win every single game we play, even though you try to. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? It's my dream, guys, to do this full-time, and with a small financial contribution, you can help me realize that dream. The link and the QR code is appearing on your screen right now, and I'll also put it down in the description area for you to go and click on at a later stage if you would like to do so. And by becoming a patron, I promise there will be great benefits for members. Now let's get back to the interview. And then into 1999, we played a test match against Italy, 101-0. Uh, a bit of a record, still a record uh, win against the Italians today. And you scored five tries on that occasion uh, to set a new Springbok try scoring record for an individual. So you held it all by yourself. How special was that? Yeah, it it was again special at Kings Park. That was my home stage stadium at the time. You know, I didn't play the week before. I was on the bench against Italy, and 
in uh, Port Elizabeth at the old Booty Rasmus Stadium. I came on, scored two tries, and Nick said he's going to give me an opportunity to play against Ireland. Uh, against Ireland, I beg your pardon, against Italy. And yeah, it just worked out. Percy was outstanding, broke the line a couple of times. Huffy was playing at 10, Huffy to 2 8. And I was just at the right place, honestly, at the right time and scored the five tries. So, again, it was special, but maybe just the way I think and the way I'm wired, you know, we, we won. I think the biggest cheer of the day was we scored a try right at the end. It was 99-0 and Graham van Straten had to convert to make it 100 points. And I think that was the biggest cheer of the day. <laughs> so, But we were we were brutal that day. We we did everything right. Italy, I think, after the first half, they decided, no, they, they're going home. They've had enough of this, <laughs> this drubbing. So, uh, but very special. Uh, enough. But just the way I was wired, I thought that, you know, we won by 100 points. So don't measure against the opposition. But we, we did play very well that day. I have to ask you, given that you held the record by yourself outright, what did it feel like when Tondurai Chavanga set a new Springbok record? Um, records will always be broken, you know. I'm just part of to very happy to have kept that record for a bit. And you know, the four tries on on debut still stands. You know, the five tries that Italy that will always be there. Uh, but Tondurai against I think Uruguay they won 134-3. East London uh, Tondurai scored six and and deservedly so. I wish I always wish I had his speed. He was so quick and you know electric. So I had to work a little bit harder to beat defenders where he could just run around them with his speed and a, and a, and a great finisher of the game. All right. Uh, after that Italy match, we went to Wales to play at the new Millennium Stadium. Um, I've watched some of the highlights and you can still see that there was some construction taking place in, in one of the corners of the ground. We lost that match. It was the first time that we'd ever been defeated by the Welsh. But I've also heard, Stefan, that before the match, there was some controversy with regard to Rian Oberholzer. And he gave you guys a, a talking to before uh, the match a couple of days beforehand. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, it was true. Obviously, transformation started playing a role, and Rian Uber also was. I mean, we we arrived there on the Monday after our chess match against Italy. We flew across on the Sunday night, and then arrived there on a Monday and to get the week going. And then he he called a meeting with the whole team and said that you know, with transformation happening in South Africa, the the Springbok team will have to look at transforming and making sure that they're fully representative of the whole of South Africa, meaning that they won't support an all-white South African. Team. And that's those are the facts. And you know, we have to be sensitive to its transformation. And you know, in our country, I think in at the beginning stages we were quite not quite sensitive on how to handle the issue. I think our transformation charter and the way we wanted to do it was also slightly wrong. And we've learned that lesson now is that you can't start transforming your national body and, and rugby at the top. That doesn't work like that. You have to start at the bottom, build the base, grassroots, and then build those players and build the base up so that you have the constant stream of good players that can come through and represent your country on merit. I mean, we are, honestly, I don't care what color the Springbok team is, as long as it's the best players playing in that position. And I think I share the view of, of millions of South Africans, and they agree that. And, you know, at the start, I think Saru got it slightly wrong, wanting to transform from the top down. It should have been the other way. So, yes, it was unsettling for us. All of a sudden, we were quite sure where we're going to go, how's this team going to look that they're talking about, you know. And and it did upset us a little bit. But I think we were good enough, we were experienced enough there to to put that behind us, go into that game. And and the Welsh were just outstanding on the day, the opening of their new stadium, even though it's 74,000. The Millennium Stadium, they only were 25,000 on the day because of the, to the health and safety, but they were still trying to get it ready. Of course, they had the World Cup there later that year, so they were under pressure to get it ready. But on the day, whilst we're good, 
Colin Chavez, you know, the ref missed completely where he he, he tripped corner Kricher, uh, Gareth Thomas scored in the corner. But no questions. We're not they were the better team on the day or they deserve to win on the day. There's a, a wonderful clip. I sit on the traditional panels now where we do red cards and hearings for players making head contact. There's a wonderful clip of Cornet tip-tackling Gareth Thomas. Then there's a Walsh centre coming in. Brown van Staten runs in from the side, cleaning straight contact to the head. There's a punch thrown in there and South Africa get the penalty. So <laughs> the game has moved on has moved on quite a bit. But I remember that vividly. I love the Walsh. I played rugby there. And, you know, on the day, they were they were full value for their victory. And then at the 1999 Rugby World Cup, uh, we played against some unusual opponents like Spain and Uruguay. Um, Stefan, I remember hearing a radio interview with Joost van der Vestes, and who you'll remember was our captain for that tournament. And Joost said that the guys didn't really feel as if they were at a World Cup while they were in Scotland. Would you go along with that? No, I wouldn't. I think probably the only reason I say that is because uh, I love Scotland. It's one of my favorite countries in the world to visit. So for me, it was like heaven. You know, we had a training camp in Petermark Bay for six weeks. My family is down there. So that was magnificent. Uh, I trained hard. I was fit. Then I go to Scotland, my favorite country. I love that as well. And no, I, I don't, I didn't feel like we weren't part of the World Cup. Uh, yes, the, the final would be, whole, would be in Wales, but you know, they shared the World Cup with, not share, but they had games in Scotland. We played our quarterfinals. We played in Paris against England. So this, we did move around. And in the last four teams, we made it through, went back to, to Cardiff to play the third and the fourth place playoff. And then, of course, the final as well. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was part of it. We played Scotland in the opening game, uh, at Murrayfield, one of our favorite places to play rugby as well. So, no, for me, uh, I felt like we were at the World Cup. And I think as a team, we were, we were fit, we were ready, but again, you know, the, the, the exclusion of our captain, Gary Teichman, uh, just before the tournament certainly was a, was a big talking point and certainly, you know, left the team felt a little bit uncertain about, you know, who's playing, what's happening and, you know, where are we going. And then you played just one more test match in the next two and a half years. What actually happened there? Yeah, in the two and a half years, obviously 99, uh, 2000, uh, what happened in 2000? Yeah, I not get selected. Yeah, there was a new, there was a new coach coming in, uh, after, uh, no, there wasn't actually. I didn't get selected by Mallet. Uh, then Harry Foyun came in, got back, selected again. Uh, Australia was in there in, in, in the mix as well as the 2003. So it all happened. I think we did have good players. They go through a bad patch and I didn't always play good rugby. And, and certainly at stages, I, didn't deserve to be in the Springbok team and maybe played a bit on reputation. And at stages, I thought that I was playing the best rugby of my career and didn't get selected for the Springbok team. So, you know, it's, it's all about opinion about the coaches and uh, it, it, it is what it is. It's very disappointing not to, not to play for your country when you've, when you've had a few test matches. But, you know, it's a, it's a privilege. It's not a right to play for the Springboks. And then you were back in the squad in 2002. Uh, how exciting was it to be back? It was. It was quite emotional. We were playing against Wales in in Argentina, uh, Wales in Bloemfontein. I shed a few tears before the game, and it was just emotional. It was great to be back and you know playing playing uh, playing rugby for the Springboks again. So a lot of responsibility when you do that, but you know, great coming back and to represent the country again. How much different would you say the Springbok setup was in two thousand and two compared to when you uh, first uh, came into the side in ninety eight? Yeah, the games moved on. I think there will be changes whether we want it or not. You know, it's just the way the world is moving. Players are getting younger. 
you know, the game's becoming more and more professional, there's more and more pressure on players, and then on the other hand, you're better prepared because there's scientific evidence to show how you should train, what you're not trained. Well, the way we started training when I was playing for the Springboks in 98 compared to the way in, in 2002 was already different, a lot different, and it was only four years, you know, if you look at the 98 to 2002. So the game's moved on, and there's always changes. I think it's it's it's, it's crucial for the game to move at times, but also trying to retain the the amateur values, what makes rugby so good. Stefan, you also featured prominently in the team throughout 2003, and we know that the Springboks were struggling at that stage. Uh, for example, there was that record defeat at the time to the All Blacks, uh, 52-16. What do you think was the problem at that moment? You know, I think probably not a settled team. Our coach was Rudolf Stroyli. He also tried some new things. Some of them worked. Some of them certainly didn't work. Before the 2003 World Cup, you're probably going to get there as well. We decided to go camping and go to Comstaldrad. That was an absolute disaster. I'm certainly not scarred by it. You know, you, at, at that stage, you just guts it out and get on with it, even though it was physically and emotionally very tough and hard. And I, I get the point for it. I thought the timing of it was extremely bad. You know, three weeks before you you play in the World Cup, you build up your whole year, you're at the right weight, you, you're strong, you're fast, you got everything right, and then you're going to break your body down in the bush for four, four days with no water or food or and sleep deprivation. To, I, I didn't think that that worked well. So I think that was unsettling uh, again for the team and, and going into that World Cup with that preparation, we had absolutely no chance of, of getting through. We, we we lost a pool game against England quite comfortably. Of course, England with Johnny Wilkinson, they, they went on to win the World Cup in 2003 in Australia, and then played a little bit better against uh, Samoa. People were even saying, you, Samoa could turn them over, but you know, 60 points to 10 in Brisbane with the outstanding. It was probably our best game of, of the World Cup. And then um, the All Blacks in the quarterfinals in Melbourne, Carlos Spencer at number 10 on song, Joe Roco Coco, and we had absolutely no chance to, to win that game. And they were, just, they were just too good. What did you make of Strauli as a coach? I think he had good, I always got on well with him. You know, I could understand his mentality, maybe because I'm Afrikaans. So sort of we, we sort of grow up saying, um, you know, just get on with it, suck it up, you know, listen and, uh, and, and, and do your job. And I think I always have that sort of mentality. And I also trust the coach with regards to what he wants to do. I think you know, I've played under a whole lot of different coaches and, and, and every coach, there's something good that I can find, something that I enjoyed and something that I had to manage and something that I, didn't quite enjoy, and that that's life. And no, he. I think he was a rugby guy at heart. Some of his ideas just didn't work. Uh, you know, it was tough physically. You know, often you arrive at a training session and said you can leave the rugby ball today. We're going to do some fitness, and then you know you're in for a tough hour or hour and a half on the pitch. But as I said, there's something good and something that I had to manage with every with every other coach. All right, Stefan, who was your toughest opponent? The toughest opponent from an individual point of view was certainly, well, the best player I've ever played against was there two, but one stands out for me is Joe Roth. He was an Australian winger, fullback, centre, fly-off. He could play anywhere. His running lines were exceptional. He was just a clever, clever, as my uh, as my PT teacher at school, Mr. Vestrod, would say, he was a good footballer, and he just understood the game of rugby and you know, a wonderful guy, quite you know, fast, elusive long strides he was just a magnificent rugby player and then a smaller guy that i played that i played with at the ospreys uh you know, pound for pound the best rugby player in the world at that stage shane williams started off as a scrum off and then became best and the highest try scorer in the welsh rugby history on the wing so uh, those two they stand out for me 
Is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us from your time with the Springboks? There are many. <laughs> and sometimes you have to to laugh. And I've, I've told this story a thousand times. So sorry for those of you who heard it. My first test against the All Blacks the night before the game in the team room in Wellington, pissing down with rain. And uh, it's cold and, you know, sitting around the table, dinner table, having uh, having dinner, ask Gary Tyson, Gary, what do I do tomorrow when we face the Haka? He said, it's very simple, Stefan, in New Zealand, you stare your direct opposition, you find him, stare him in the eye, accept the challenge, because that's how you respect the New Zealand rugby culture, and that's how you respect your direct opposition. He, of course, knew the answer to the next question, and he said, well, who's your direct opposition? At that stage, of course, there was a monster running around 1.96 meters tall, 122 kgs, running the 110.5 seconds by the name of Jonah. So I said to Gary, it's Jonah. He said, oh, shit. He said, well, don't stare, don't stare him directly in the eye. You're just, gonna, you're just going to upset him. Rather, look at my direct opposition. So <laughs> I excused myself from the dinner table, ran down to my room, locked myself in my room, and cried myself to sleep. But the next day, we beat the All Blacks 13-3. So, uh, I mean, that's quite a funny story. People laugh at that. I still laugh to this day because I can remember, you know, being nervous. Of course, you play the All Blacks in New Zealand and your and your captain tells you not to upset your dynamic opposition, jokingly, but, um, yeah, it certainly worked and, and we had a good game the next day. I remember waking up at four in the morning to watch that uh, as a schoolboy. What a special memory indeed. Um, Stefan, is there a current player that you see that you admire? I... Uh, I do. Yes, there is. I mean, there, there, there are a few, and for different reasons. I mean, I've got the utmost respect for our captain, Sia Kulisi, South African captain, the way he handles it, the, the how sincere he is. I mean, the amount of press and the amount of requests, and, and people always want a piece of him. And, and, and in that position, yes, that is your job, but the way he handles it is just, you know, and, and how, how graciously he can address, and, you know, just after games, even when the Springboks lose, he, you know, he just seems to have it all together of course a lot of pressure i i admire him for that without a doubt then alan Wynne jones the, the welsh you know captain who's recently retired from and I, actually we were talking about it last night 158 test matches 12 for the british and irish lions 170 test matches i don't know how many games for the ospreys i mean that's just that's just impressive i admire him for his longevity and when i was at the ospreys he was a youngster coming through he was in our academy then and he started training with us and, and, and to see how he's grown from a young man into an absolute legend of the game and the way he's handled it, I admire him for that. And then from a playing point of view, I admire a guy like Jason Colby. The amount of work he gets through, what he can do with his body, I mean, 74, 75, if that, in kilograms, the, the, how physical he is, his ability to finish, to make the tackles and to and to match up, as I said, pound for pound, you know, along with DuPont the best players in the world for me at the moment and, and I admire him for that. And what are you up to these days? I have to work for a living now, unfortunately. <laughs> I can't play I can't play a, a sport anymore, but I, I'm doing what I love. I've got a little fitness business, you know, training people. That's always been my passion, you know, sharing my my experience. I picked up over twenty years being coached by the best fitness coaches from around the world. So I'm, I'm busy doing that together with my wife and our friends. We've got a a small golf cart business we recently bought. We have a little bit of property and a cooling business, slim malicious that we that we're working on. So pretty entrepreneurial. But uh, we've got to pay the bills with three with three kids at school and, and soon off to varsity. But uh, yeah, doing what I love at the moment. I'm in Paris. I do work for World Rugby um, on the traditional panels, meaning that when a player gets cited or red carded, 
uh, we sit in on those hearings, we, we do the hearings, and then need to decide whether the player needs to be sanctioned or not. Not always a, a great job, and you feel for the players with the laws changes these days, and especially with regards to head contact. But um, I think as an ex-player, we sort of have a little bit of better understanding about what really happens on the field, where the lawyers and the, the chairmans can run it. Uh, they understand the letter of the law, but sometimes on the field things happen, and we just want to give a little bit of perspective and try and uh, present the players with a better chance of, of getting back on the field playing. Sounds good to me. Stefan, let's finish off by looking at the trivia question again. In 2002, the Springboks lost to a certain European team for the first time in 33 years. Name the opponent. Do you know the answer, Stefan? I think I do because I was, uh, I think I was fortunate to to miss that tour because it wasn't a good tour for South Africa. Uh, the week before the semi-finals of the Curry Cup, and it's the strangest thing. We played Griquas, and I scored my fourth try. I scored early in the second half, and as I dived over the line, I did my hamstring. I don't know what happened, so I missed. And I missed the semi-finals against the Bulls, the Sharks, which we lost. I think the Bulls went on with Derek Hochar to win, to win the, the the Curry Cup against the Lions a week later, and uh, I then was injured and couldn't make the tour. I think we lost to France. We also had a record loss against England. I think on that same trip. So the team I think you're referring to, and I think the score was twenty-one-six. That would be Scotland at Murrayfield. That is exactly right, Stefan. 21-6 at Murrayfield. First time since 1969 that the Scots beat the Springboks. And I think we'll just leave it there and not discuss it any further. Stefan, let me say it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure. Lovely to listen to all those old stories. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure.